1: going on everybody? Welcome in. This is the Hold That Podcast podcast. I am your host, T-Bob Bear. We are brought to you by The Athletic, uh, who my co-host, Bertie Miller, happens to cover the LSU Tigers for. And this is an LSU Tiger football podcast. If it's your first time listening, welcome. Um, on today's episode, we are going to break down the Arkansas game and then we'll get into the A&M game a bit as well at the end. So a little looking back, a little looking forward. Uh, We are a day late. Um, First, Brody
2: Miller, thank you. Welcome to the show today. Uh, Thank you, T-Bob, because I'm the host of the show, so thank you for coming on.
1: And remember to go to theathletic.com slash hold that podcast, and you get a dollar a week sign-up deal. Listen to Football and Grits, the Athletics SEC podcast. Um, Brody, so we're recording a day late. Uh, This is serious in nature. Ah, uh, you were in a courtroom yesterday. Like, why were you we recording day late? Just kind of give the people just a little a basic answer here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a court hearing yesterday for the uh, Samantha Brennan and USA Today lawsuit against LSU, which you know the story's out there. I mean, everyone knows the story of USA Today reporting everything about LSU's mishandling of sexual complaints over the past several years. But you know, this 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 case is actually more just about basically trying to. Yeah, you know, Samantha Brennan, USA Today basically thinking LSU is incorrectly stonewalling them against getting her own police reports against Darius Geis, and basically they're not getting the full unredacted versions and, and and yeah, it was basically just a a hearing that really showed just how much LSU has kind of stonewalled, you know, her and made midlife pretty difficult. So yeah, that's why uh, I was in court yesterday. There's a story up on The Athletic today that you guys should check out. But uh yeah, now we're recording today.
1: It's it's really uh disheartening to hear that. There, there's one detail that um, you, I heard you say earlier that really stuck with me, which is that like she would call all the time. They kept ignoring her calls, and then when she calls from a different number, they answered on the first ring.
2: Correct. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, she basically... I mean, you know, they, that two is... Two calls a day. Yeah.
1: A concerted effort there. So, um, look, I, we're not going to spend time on this today, but I, we'll, we'll see where this all goes. Eventually, the people that should, I believe... Uh, get in trouble for this. I think that will come to light. Uh, Now, let's talk about some football. St. LSU football podcast. Uh, LSU Arkansas. Tigers win. And thus, in doing so, Brody, secure the greatest trophy in all of college football. Bring back the golden boot. Keep it In Louisiana, Uh, it sounds crazy, but LSU really needed this win, and I thought it was actually just a lot of fun to watch. It was a great back and forth game, and uh, yeah, I'm now that I am on the other side. Like, so the Auburn game stamped out any remaining unrealistic uh, beliefs that I had about this team, and so I actually found Saturday to be a much more enjoyable experience. And I watch it on like a YouTube stream, right? We call it the Fan Cave, so I like fully lean into. Fan mode, not analyst mode. And, and yeah, I mean, once you free yourself of these expectations, like it was super fun and it was awesome. And then I see some (laughs) people complain, like, we should never be in a dogfight against Arkansas or like, I can't, they have so many people down and we still can't score. It's like, okay, look, man, those are conversations like, if you think that a program should never be in doctor, doctor, that's an off-season conversation, okay? Yeah. The conversation now is accept who this team is, view it through that framework. They're quite literally the worst pass defense in the country and uh, the worst team in the country giving up big plays. And, you know, so accept how deficient you are and then just be happy when they exceed your expectations. And they did. <laughs> like, I thought Arkansas was going to win this game, but LSU managed to find a way 27, 24, and I had a lot of fun watching it.
2: No, I actually love that you, like, frame it that way because I think you're right. First off, yeah, okay, if, you, if you're watching 2 and 3 LSU and you don't know the season's already kind of gone to, gone to shit, you know, like, then what are we doing here? Like, what do you, like, yeah, like, just let's use a little relativity here and understand, like, this isn't, you're not competing for a title. And also, like, I, it actually, like, you saying it, like, that kind of highlights something I think about a lot in that, like, it's part of the reason I don't want the playoff to expand and stuff like that is that like football like college like sports have become more and more results oriented like yes. you no know, not result or, not a result oriented what I'm but finish Champion, oriented championship like, it's all oriented. about it's, it's all, all about, about, about winning championships
1: like, it's so dismissive of everything in between like oh, okay you you
2: made the playoffs 20 years in a row oh but he never won a ring like what yeah, it's yeah. like you play you play football because you like football and like you like watch and we watch it because we like watching football and then everything has to be like what does this win mean for December? It's just like oh shoot like you're playing your rival like you want to like yeah. and I think you're actually right because if you just break strip it down that way and I'm by the way extremely guilty of this I'm not criticizing anyone I'm criticizing me but like yeah if you really just strip it down that was actually like a really just fun. I'm not going to use the word "old school" because that's not accurate, but kind of just like traditional football brawl and just yeah. like a lot of physicality yes. at the line. Brawl like a is just- a
1: great word. It was an 11 a.m. <laughs> SEC brawl with it's a, a trophy on the, the line. That is yeah. that is college football at its core. That's it's like kind of
2: distilled down to its essence. And and like in uh, the game was fascinating because. I think LSU completely outplayed them for, I don't know, in my head, I think they outplayed them for like 35 minutes or so. You know, like I think they should have been in complete control of that game and they just like couldn't quite capitalize on some things. And then once – you know, they they screwed up with that. You know, they had a chance to go ahead 27-14, but then that big play to Gilbert gets called back on a Chase and Hines hold. So then all of a sudden it's 2014, you're punting, and by then you don't have Stingley and you don't have Eli Ricks, and all of a sudden the game just kind of flipped because Arkansas smartly just attacked the LSU's backup corners, and it became a fascinating game because then by the end of the game – so, Arkansas kind of blew that game. You know what I mean? It was like, it was just a real genuine back and forth. And, like, if you're into win probabilities, which I love, like, I love, well, no, I don't love all. I love Bill Connolly at ESPN's win probabilities because they're actually look at, like, hey, if you just look at just purely like who played better football from a pure statistical point of view, like who wins that game more just out of like the result you yeah, saw. Yeah. Based on like how the teams played, Arkansas wins that game 90% of the time. 90%?
1: Yeah, on that shocked thing, me. whoa, yeah. wow! It's it, it's it's because of. I mean, there are a few massive statistical outliers. If I had to imagine, first off, I've never heard of twenty three third downs.
2: Um, that's yeah. pretty wild. Uh, so, like, and you also had, Arkansas just striking out on third down was just that's absolute, that's like, that wasn't indicative of too much.
1: Well, that's wild because it, like how LSU got to twenty three third downs is because they couldn't get any big plays. And then how Arkansas scored so much and got more yards, but didn't, you know, uh, or was able to overcome 0 for 10 on third downs and all these things just because it's all they got were big plays. So, like, yeah, on a play-to-play basis, um, Arkansas was much more explosive and much more dominant than LSU was. But, Brody, here is the golden truth of 2020 LSU football. If the defense is not on the field, they cannot give up touchdowns. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Like, if the offense is on the field, the yeah, defense cannot <laughs> give up touchdowns. Think about it. There's the connection y'all have all been waiting for from the whole That Podcast podcast.
2: <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, I, I I bring up that 10% thing, not to say that I believe LSU played, like, a 10% game compared to Arkansas. I actually think LSU deserves
1: Oh, no, no. no I think, same sorry, same I, I was I was yeah. saying all that to reinforce your point. That
2: absolutely. No, I We're on the exact same page. Like, we actually, we understand Arkansas probably, like, Deserve to win a lot of ways, but LSU very was very savvy about a lot of things. Very just executed on a lot of things, and like they played better than that ten percent number when you fit, you know factor in those strategies. I think the game calling strategy was really good, and I and I know like there was a lot of people angry online about you know. I'll see like Steve Ensbanger and Scott Linehan. There's like restricting this offense. And I'm, I would say they are calling a game beautifully because yeah. of how restricted their offense yes. is. They don't have a great running game right now. Not a, like a genuinely great one. And they have a true freshman quarterback in his third career start. Like, what are you expecting here? I really yeah, don't with it, Okay, so
1: let's highlight that because you're, you're absolutely right. It all comes down to third down in this game. And... It's it, it was a point of concern coming in the game as well, actually, because when you looked, both teams were bad at converting third downs. I love you, baby. I know I love you. I'm sorry. Sorry, Alice wants to play with me. Uh, but both teams were not the best at converting on third downs. But LSU was horrible at uh, stopping, and, and and Arkansas was markedly better. So I was worried that that was going to be a point of separation for Arkansas. Ends up going the complete opposite direction, and. The key offensively to making that a reality and to winning this game was T.J. Finley. It was your freshman quarterback. I am so much more impressed with him in this game than even the South Carolina game for so many reasons. Completely. Um, Barry Odom thought that he was going to be able to rush three, drop eight consistently, that Finley would panic or wouldn't be able to find the holes. He never panicked, stayed super composed. When he extends plays, he truly is keeping his eyes downfield. His arm strength, which I hate talking about arm strength in quarterbacks a lot of times because it's so overrated, but I felt that I saw the game, value. Yes, because he can he can get it in those holes, like to where the DBs their timings off. Like some of those balls, I feel like got there way quicker than the DBs expected, and it was making him a bit of a zone killer. And so, like, yes, everybody was doing a good job of getting to third and three, third and four. And I just came away so impressed because like you said, the only way LSU wins that game is consistently and way more than they have earlier this season converting on that down. And that was all for the most part. TJ Finley's either body running the ball um, throwing the ball, extending plays, and obviously credit to the receivers and the o line everybody else, but Finley was the core of that engine. And do that third start as a freshman, I came away very impressed. It's a good, it's, a, it's an Arkansas defense that picked off Matt Corral six times.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, yeah no, first off, I'm
2: glad you said that like you're actually more impressed from this game than the South Carolina game because the South Carolina game was a perfectly executed game plan, and he just like you know hit his open receivers, right? This game was he was making winning plays, and yes. i and i I think the drive that impressed me most, even more than the game winning one. Was the one at the end of the half? It resulted in a field goal, but that drive, it was like, oh, this guy looks like a real quarterback. Where I think there was one third down on like third and short, he hit like just an absolute line drive in between three defenders into Terrace Marshall's arm that you only convert if you had the arm strength to get it through all those arms. And then and, uh, the next third down, he hits Racy McMath on a very similar thing into like triple coverage, just like fitting a ball with his arm strength into a very tight spot. And then there's that that other that third down where he rolls right. You know, obviously he's rolling downfield, does a good job just getting outside the pocket, goes to the line of scrimmage. It has the awareness to know, like, hey, stop here. I'm not, I'm about to pass the line. And he hits, throws across the field to Eric Gilbert wide open for a first down. Like that drive just sincerely impressed me. And I know they settled for a field goal, but like that one was the one that really sold me a little bit that, yeah, he was making winning plays. He was fitting balls in tight spots. And yes, he missed that Eric Gilbert deep ball. He, he certainly missed. He's also a true freshman. Yeah. It was supposed to be a project. And now like he's actually way ahead of schedule. And I think you just have to view it from that perspective because he is, I think Tyron Davis price deserves a ton of credit. I think the run defense deserves a ton of credit, but TJ Finley was probably in my opinion, the real difference in how they won this game.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I'm glad you highlighted TDP uh, because there's been a lot of Emery TDP, Curry talk. And now clearly I think that Emery and TDP have separated from Curry a bit. Um, But I mean, the reason why you were in third and three and third and four constantly was Tyron Davis price. So, Huge credit to him as well. And look, this was a team win offensively. You don't go 12 of 23 on third down. I In my head, I make it, or no, it's 13 of 23. And then basically I make it 15 with the two fourth down conversions. You don't do that without everybody executing at a high level. And they really did offensively, which people aren't going to want to hear because they weren't very exclusive to score many points. But that's what Arkansas does. That's their M.O. We said it yeah. uh, coming in. They, they, they weren't going to give a big play. They are going to make you play underneath. They actually had one of the most impressive pass, Stevens, from like a yards per attempt standpoint coming into this game. And LSU managed to operate and execute within those parameters and find a way to win. Dude, for a team with this many young cats, to find a way to win uh, in that game to me bodes very well for the future. Not for the future of this season, necessarily, but for the future long-term. And you saw them learning lessons. I mean, after what we witnessed against Auburn, there were a few breaks uh, this time where I believed that LSU could have crumbled, right? Uh, Whether it was the Terrace Marshall fumble when your offense was humming, it looked like you were rolling to maybe make it like 17-7. Absolutely, as you mentioned, Brody, when... Instead of 27-14, you miss the bomb, and then everything kind of flips. All of a sudden, it's 21-20, and then they have the ball back. And then it's like 21-20, first and goal from the five. That was a dark spot. Yeah, And instead of crumbling, LSU actually kind of put their foot in the ground and managed to find a way to win. And that's a point of growth, especially when you look from the Auburn game. And you saw it in Finley as well, as none of the mistakes ever shook him. And last thing I'll say, uh, Finley has some balls on him in terms of just natural confidence. Uh, I thought I was very intrigued to see where he was going to be at confidence-wise coming out of that Auburn game. And after the first play, where all it was was he just like scrambled for like three yards. There's nothing impressive. And he got up and he was talking shit to the defense. (laughs) He was jawing at him. I was like, okay, dude, this kid, I mean, he's got supreme confidence. And I asked O about it this morning, and he actually said that they didn't even really realize that in practice. And that's like that comes out in the game um, because in practice normally you know he's the backup and he's trying to just be like uh, you know a little you know t- be the backup. But when he's the starter, that that's when that comes out. And so that speaks. That's that's a uh, kind of alpha type of quality uh, for a quarterback to have.
2: Yeah. No. First off, I think you nailed like my actual takeaway from this game is that I don't come away from this game like. That it, I don't come away with this game with any new major takeaways about this football team as like a footbally point of view. I just really don't. I don't think they impress me necessarily. But what I come away with is what you're saying. It's the idea that this team, that's young team, this struggling team, this team that we saw literally give up against Auburn, actually found a way to just will their way to not back down to you know, just find a way to scrape this game out. And that's the part you actually come away impressed. It's like you said, it's the TJ Finley stuff. It's the the running game, just getting those four yards or so per carry, you know, and just moving. The defense when, you know, it's 24-20, getting the stops. That was what really made you, you know, actually be like, all right, this team might be growing up a little bit. And you're also right, that's going to, it's not about this year. That's about you know the, the foundation for the future. But I want to quickly go back to the T, uh, Tyron Davis-Price thing because the, the, the key is that we're talking about – I think it's important to talk about Ty Davis-Price and what I'm not saying the run game was great because I think all, all the time when we talk about it, it is the cohesive thing, right? It's like everything clicked. South Carolina, every part of it clicked, right? I think this game, it was – the offensive line actually, I would argue, did not have a very good football. No. Uh, I'm curi- no, curious no, no. your opinion, but yeah. So Davis Price actually deserves so much credit because he finished with 104 yards on 24 carries and a touchdown, 4.3 per carry. It's like, that's a solid, nice little game. Like, I don't think the line before- played bad, but they didn't play good. They played average to like below average. I would say. I think that's dead on. Yeah, and and yeah. So it was like the whole game. It was basically Arkansas put them in holes where should have been a one yard gain, should have been a loss. It was just a lot of those, you know, where there wasn't really an opening. But Ty Davis Price just kind of did a really good job of being patient, just kind of moving, just getting forward progress and getting, say, you know, putting them in second and seven instead of second and ten, putting them at third and three instead of third and six, you know? And, like, that was, first off, the literal, that's how they won this game, is putting themselves in just those slightly better third downs. Yeah, And, yeah, I think so. That's really, like, you have to just shout him out specifically, not the run game as a whole, because he just really made, you know, he kept them actually alive in this game, and they really fed him, like,
1: so let's talk about the defense and i have a question of you first off it's yes, it's clear that micah baskerville is a huge upgraded middle linebacker uh i don't, I don't want to spend too much time on that but like he's decisive he trusts the scheme multiple times he actually ignored a ball carrier to like honor his gap force the carrier inside and good things yeah. happen because of it imagine that um So, and to me, he's even making it easier on the safeties. I think that's why you saw a lot of the safety run fits were better because you have a more decisive middle linebacker right now. Yeah. Uh, So I I really like the improvement there. Here's my question. Ask it, baby. If Derek Stingley Jr. and Eli Ricks don't have to leave that game, does Arkansas ever actually get
2: going offensively? That is the question. I'm glad you said that. Because, again, we're not coming out saying, like, LSU defense was amazing, but it is an important, you know, qualifier to make and how we discuss this game is that I do not come away with this defense that disappointed in it because yeah, the LSU defense looked genuinely good to me for a full half. I really – you know, there was the one rub route where Cordell Flock got beat, and I think Cordell Flock just is what he is at this point, unfortunately. But, yeah, I think, you know, that was really the only hiccup that – And, and so, so,
1: okay, real quick on the rub route because that was the only thing – yes, that was the only, like, thing that looked just like a busted coverage, right? And, and it's happened, and, and, like, three and, times this year. E- yeah. And interestingly, um, I asked Eric Stingley Sr. about that this morning. Like, how do you coach? Like, what technique? Just one need to be adept? And he actually said that that is a bit of a uh, – that is a bit of a schematic snafu. Okay. That, that, that it's okay. basically going to guaranteed happen when you're playing that style of coverage. I think he was saying, like, tight man where they're at the same depth and that they either play okay. a different coverage or they need to uh, coach you to where one, like, you show like you're both tight man and then one has to get to a different depth. So that That's is really on. So that, yeah. yeah that, so
2: that is schematic. That that could be on the coach side. But outside of that. Um, yeah, they played really good football for yes, a half. Yeah. And then. You know, Ricks goes down at the end of the half, and that's when they, you know, they attack um I uh, Jay Ward,
1: Ward immediately. And yeah, we'll get yeah. to Jay Ward. And that was Love the big
2: it. play, and then, you know, then the second half, then you lose both of them and they just attack Ward, McLeod, and Flot. You know, it was just it was you they own the only true way LSU got beat throughout this game in that second half was by Arkansas attacking its number three, four, and five corners. And is it a problem, just like we talked about the Mississippi State game, is it a genuine problem that LSU of all schools has their three, four, five corners able to get beat this bad? Yes, that is an actual problem. (laughs) But it's not, that's not necessarily still what I think we should view this defense as because most of the time you're going to have, and this Saturday, they will have Stingley and Ricks out there. And when it was those two, I think LSU actually played really stout defense. The run game looked really good all night. Just the entire line of scrimmage looked good all day, I guess is the the way you really should view it. And like you said, the safety run fits look better, which is a really good observation that Baskerville actually deserves some credit for that too. But yeah, so I don't come away from this defense thinking they played that poorly. Did they play like incredible? No, Arkansas. No, but but, but they played,
1: but for them, they did.
2: For them, they played incredible. That's what I'm saying, right? Like,
1: and 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 I feel bad because I had more time to ruminate on this than I did. And I didn't even mean to open the show on Monday like this. And I'd already watched film, dove into it and everything. But I opened it and I kind of naturally fell into this negative thing. Because I, I think I saw some numbers right before that truly shocked me. When I looked up the amount of big plays that LSU has given up compared to other teams in the country. And I looked up like yards per attempt. And it's the worst thing I've ever seen. I mean, LSU's a literal statistical outlier in that they have played... Less games uh, than everybody else, and yet have given up the same gross number of big plays to rank in like the 110s and stuff, right? Like they've given up the oh, wait, same. None of that's of-
2: unfair to bring up. You're not wrong for bringing it up. Yeah, maybe this, it's not the story of this game necessarily, but that is the story of six games this season. Yes, that wrong. is.
1: That is. I, I guess I just guess I wouldn't, I, 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 I wish I wouldn't have led with it, and which is why I'm enjoying this so much. But that still exists. I mean, they're horrible. I mean, Brody, they. Have given up the same amount of forty-yard plays as Tulane has. They both rank one hundred and sixteenth in the country, and Tulane's
2: played ten games. You played six. I, I tweeted this Saturday, but you'll you'll will not enjoy this stat, but you know you'll appreciate it. The LSU, uh, shout out to my my expert editor Jason Stare at the Stat Guru. But he point he found that LSU has allowed the same or no more plays of sixty yards or more this season than they did from twenty fourteen to now. I mean, like, it's it's no it's. it's I didn't know that one. I mean, put it
1: put it in the bucket, right? I think on 30-yard plays, you're like 116 with Tulsa or something. I mean, I, I have the exact numbers I could pull up, but but the, you know, I don't really need to. The point is, though, they've played less games than everybody. They've given up the same gross number of big plays, and then I look at yards per attempt where um, they have played less games, uh, and, and yet still they've given up a – all right, Cameron, whatever. The point is that the past even remains horrible. I just wonder if in this game if they could have actually held on and not been horrible if Eli Ricks and Derek Sealy had been had been able to stay in the game. Also, Derek yeah, Sealy Jr. doesn't need to return punts anymore.
2: Yeah, you're probably right about that. I think we're we're at that point. Um but he's, yeah, never mind. Um but yeah, no, I think how do I say it? like all the things that we're saying, there's they still ring true. And here's an example of one right now that You know, and this stat I think is incredibly telling. I'm going to have a piece up in the morning about it that kind of dives into you know this and some other you know matchup things. But LSU is dead last in the SEC in opponent yards per play in the second half, and it's averaging teams are averaging 12.2 yards per pass attempt in the second half, which is the worst in all the Power Five. That yeah, again, might not be literally because the comparing it to the. You know, the Arkansas game it might be unfair because we do have reasons for that. But still, that's been the story of the season. Auburn broke through in the second half. Mississippi State tore them up in the second half. Mizzou really tore them up in the second half. Like, you know, so I, it's a real thing at this point. There's something not like maybe it's teams go at halftime, know how to beat a Bo defense and can. That's also, incredible. you know, like to see what they saw and then make adjustments. That's possible. Maybe LSU just – there's a stamina thing, a depth thing. I don't know, but that is an incredibly telling thing. And and just to segue this into, you know, obviously at Texas A&M, well, Texas A&M is actually, you know, uh, in the top 15 in the whole country in second half yards per play.
1: Okay, so here here's some of the exact numbers. Uh, they're 111th. They've given up 44 20-yard plays in six games. They're 116th, 23 30-plus-yard plays allowed and 124th. Uh, in and in 40 yard plays, and then they are quite literally dead last in the country in fifty yard plays. Uh, so, yeah, 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 yep, yep. no good. It's a real thing. Um, oh, in, but okay, okay. But okay so what? Whatever. We're also uh, meant
2: to be. We're meant to be highlighting that they actually look better. The D line, yeah, just looked like they controlled their guys. Andre Anthony,
1: dude. SEC was he SEC D lineman of the week?
2: Our guy. Yeah, yeah, he, he looked better in the run game, which he did make big plays in the run game, but he just like did his – and also uh, credit to Ali Gay, who I think was actually like the bigger yeah. problem in the run game. He made a lot of run errors all year. They just kind of controlled their gaps better this week and set the edge a little bit better. Andre Anthony had the two big sacks that I think kind of like defined the game in two different parts of the game. Yeah, I mean they, they deserve a ton of credit there. And Micah Baskerville, I think you're actually absolutely right, even though he's not making plays – just like having one less completely weak cog in the machine, actually, I think is is paying dividends throughout the defense. So I think like that's a valid thing. They're 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 improving. That's all I'll say. Is it still one of the three or four worst defenses in the SEC? Probably, right? If we're just being honest with ourselves. But there's improvement, and I think that's something.
1: Yeah, and uh, I am trying to think of Oh, and then okay, so and then let's talk about Jay Ward if we're just talking about yeah. defensive because Jay Ward. he comes in there. He gets. We talked about mental toughness this game. He was a microcosm of the team as a whole. He comes in there, he gets uh, smacked early on immediately. I mean, credit Arkansas. It's what you do. A starting corner goes down. Attack the dude that just comes in the game. Gets beat on two quick plays. But then at the end of the game, comes back, makes some plays, including the incredible two play sequence of. Uh, a coach a- who broke this down to OTB this morning, uh, using his film study in which they went over that play, I think they said like three or four times during the week or something, to be on the lookout for it. He studied correctly, remembered it, knew exactly what was coming, and it looked like um, – I mean, look, uh, I think there were a man, and Baskerville was beat, uh, and, and, and Ward broke off because he read it, and he read it correctly. So he breaks up the third and three, and then he blocks the kick to win the game I mean, again, it would have been easy for him to get down on himself or crumble after getting beat back to back plays, and then he went out there and he made up for it by literally winning you the game. You gotta love that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wrote in my gamer that night, but it's like it was perfect because I mean, I actually I wrote this in there. I don't think it's a stretch to say going into the fourth quarter of that football game, he was the most just blatantly criticized and disliked LSU football player on the roster in a lot of people's minds. Cause obviously the Mississippi state game is unfair. He was playing completely hurt, but still like after that game where he just got, you know, just absolutely torched, like just truly torched all game. And then today he gets just torched again when he's healthy. It was like, I think everybody, he was the one player that everybody agreed. was just like, couldn't shouldn't be on the field anymore. People were tweeting, like he's just not an SEC corner. It was some pretty mean shit out there and then, so it, it's just a genuinely cool thing I'm not, I'm not even saying I'm high on Jay Ward or anything like that no, no. you shouldn't but but credit but where credit's
1: do. he went there and won the game it's games, just, third and it's just in flat out cool and yeah. sometimes
2: we just have to say that you know like for him to make that was an actually great play on third down like it just like bang bang knocked it out hell of a hit like he deserves so much credit for that and then that block kick so yeah that is just a cool story and and like I wrote that night it was just almost a perfect example of literally this LSU season to some small extent of like this team is a mess. This team has so many issues, just like Jay Ward has problems, but they were able on that Saturday to just like barrel through, get it together just enough and actually find a way to win the game, which is the story of Jay Ward and LSU.
1: This is the process. These are the type of games you have to learn to enjoy and celebrate guys that maybe aren't dominant players, but whatever, man, they made big plays. Um, Jabril Cox, Nearly had another pick six. Great play. Ends up being a huge turning point in that game. Uh, that was just a really sweet play. Again, I feel like Jabril Cox is better than he has looked this season. And uh, I'm intrigued to see what he does in the Super Bowl um, or, excuse me, Senior Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say. What about uh, last thing here on, the, now. <laughs> on the Arkansas game? Uh, the special teams were fantastic. Obviously, the Ward block. Uh, Cade York stroked a 48, 49 yarder like it was nothing. Um, yep. And then Zach von Rosenberg, he was the Ray guy punter of the week for the country. Correct. So uh shout out yeah, to ZVR.
2: Yeah, it's it's it really is worth shouting out this whole season. I think it's been the case that their special teams has been a, a real strength, even though in, the, in a terrible year, they are the number two. SP plus special teams unit in the entire country. Let's go,
0: dude.
2: (laughs) They've been toward the top every year in the Greg McMahon era. Like they've always been really solid since he's taken over that group. But, but this year, I mean, it just feels even more noticeable. You know, I mean, uh, Zach Von Rosenberg has genuinely got to be a Ray guy, Ray Goy, uh, front or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, like front runner or something. He's got to be at least top three top punters in the country right now. He's number four in punt efficiency, field goal value. They're thirteenth in the country. Kickoff twenty nine, kick return eleventh. The only real downside is punt return is eighty six in the country, which, like you said, that even that's even more proof that like, hey, maybe you just don't need Derek Singley out there right now because it's not even really providing you that much. But yeah, no. special teams deserves a lot of credit for that win specifically, and it's just been good throughout the year.
1: Uh <laughs> I agree man. So I feel like I do you have anything to add? I feel like that's Arkansas. Fun game no, man. I like you said. College football brawl.
0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th
0: at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
1: Uh, Unfortunately, I don't know that this one is going to be too much fun for LSU fans, Brody. It looks pretty bad. Uh to be fair, I've not watched a ton of A&M, I watched the Bama game, watched the Florida game. Um but I just did a statistical flyover today and there are elements that I absolutely hate. Uh the starting point would be the fact that A&M has the number one total defense in the SEC and maybe most impressively, I think they're uh th- them and Georgia are the only teams allowing less than 100 yards rushing per game and I don't know that you can have success offensively right now if you can't get to third and manageable. And I don't know if they can against A&M.
2: Yeah, and they're just a stout team. You know, I think there's, like, so many people out there. And, I mean, granted, I've become, like, I hate that I've become this. I've become, like the a defender like across all of college football i feel like at this point it's become like a whole thing on twitter but it's like i don't think a is a top four team or anything i just think everyone like was saying that not everyone like all year was like i don't believe they're actually that good and like because they were ranked yeah like, good a,
1: dude like, screw a and people hate A M and the lsu fan base that's why <laughs>
2: Yeah. Exactly. Well, no, but oh, it's all college football. There's like no one buys AM. And i am like, again, I don't think they're a playoff team. I just don't. But I think they're like the sixth or seventh best team in college football, which is really good. I saw, you know, I got an argument with a reporter I'm not going to name on Twitter because like, because they're like, wow, 12 points favorite against LSU. That's strong. And I'm like, what?
1: Dude, they convert 62% of their third downs. LSU was a Do you 2 know how complete of an offense? Arkansas. Do you know how complete of an offense that is 62% of their third downs? And then it makes sense because you see that they run the ball just about, I think they're second in the SE in running, and then Kellam on. Like you said, you don't have to be a superstar if you have all the right elements around him. He, he can, without a doubt, get the job done. And so, yeah, they feel complete. This is also one of the only games where I don't think that you can say LSU's more talented. Right, yeah. I mean every game this really season. the first
2: game all year.
1: Yeah, because you didn't play Florida, Alabama, right? Like every other game, you thought that LSU's talent advantage would maybe cause them to play better than they did. Uh, you're not going to have a talent advantage this game, so I think it looks pretty horrible. I think if you're trying to craft how you win this game, it would—you just have to have people do things they haven't done yet to this year. The defense would have to be consistent. I think you have got a win on the line of scrimmage where you're outclassed. And then ultimately, like the only path that I could possibly see to winning is you would just have to have like TJ Finley just play out of his mind (laughs) and, and show that he doesn't need a run game and stuff.
2: Which is, I think, first off, the more, because we talked, what, two hours ago on your, on your show, of course, this morning, and, and I didn't have a great answer, but I think the more I, I did a little look, like, yes, that is the only real path I see. I mean, their run defense, like you said, it's, it's very solid. They don't give up big plays. They're just, they're stout. I mean, they're number 23 total defense in the country. But their passing defense has actually been relatively suspect. And granted, that's just life in the SEC this year. Nobody has a great pass defense right now. But, you know, they're 81st nationally in passing success rate. They're uh, 68th in explosiveness. You know, like, they, teams are, you know, completion, right? Teams are like they're, they're 115th. You know, teams are moving the ball through the air on them. Do you think now, there's that, a way that, though, of a bat- mathing
1: at how much is that is Alabama and Florida?
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I don't have an answer in front of me. I'm not going to, you know, BS you right now on that, but I'm actually going to pull it up as we speak. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, Mississippi State threw for, you know, had a decent passing. Arkansas threw for 239 yards and three touchdowns on there. Okay. Okay. That's efficient. yeah, I know. I mean, I don't think. Yeah, it's a it's a very valid point you're making. But yeah, I think I think it works both ways. That hurts LSU. That like the only way you can beat them is the one way LSU probably ain't gonna beat you. But I I, I think that's your only route though, is to hope P.J. Finley can make another step forward. We just talked at length about how he just genuinely looked pretty impressive to me on Saturday in, in a lot of ways. And I'm, yeah. I'm sure I'm, I don't know if you can really open up your playbook yet. I think we'll really find out Steve Ensbanger's confidence level in him Saturday. But that's your only. Re- Real opening, I guess, is what I'd say. And it's they don't necessarily have an amazing pass rush either. So there's, there's openings there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it's not, and I don't think you're right. At, yeah. Exactly. It's just not openings that, unfortunately, you feel like you're well suited to uh, take advantage of. So, I mean, I, I, I really, again, though, it's, it is, I, I, I feel like I'm walking a bit lighter around town nowadays, though, because I am free of the burden of expectation.
0: Like like field. like I
1: have no I, I do not it's it's probably how you entered the Ohio State game with Indiana last week. Oh
2: Sorry.
1: Who was it? Um I actually don't know. Uh, probably a telemarketer because they've
2: infected my cell phone and I feel like it's all I get now. Fair enough. yeah, no, it's just hard to see a great avenue. Okay, like let me ask you this off the top of your head. What would you say LSU defense's greatest strength is?
1: Um, who, I would uh, say the pass rush. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's where I was landing. That, that's the sure. pass rush. Well, guess what?
2: A and M has the number three. Like their offensive line is number three in sack rate. Mm. They're number one. They're like they basically point being they do not allow sacks. Like they do not allow much pressure really at all. A and M is genuinely one. You know, it's going to be very tough for LSU to really get home in that sense. So I, I I think that really hurts. The run game is just the definition of stout and solid, and just like gets its job done. They have, uh, yeah, Isaiah Spiller is 643 yards on 6.24 yards per carry. Like I, I and then I like Helen Mond. Generally speaking, you know, I, their passing game's not a big play offense, and that's like the criticism of Jimbo Fisher is that like he's the master of getting first downs, but not necessarily like a, a guy who's gonna like get those home runs. Well, which
1: wasn't are, Arkansas not very explosive at all going into that game, Brody? <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, so no. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a huge test for LSU's defense because I do think they fixed some of their, like, I think they're fixing their the huge holes, right? I, I still don't think it's a good defense, but they're fixing some of those, like, massive gap holes, and I think that's positive, so it's going to be a test for them. But, yeah, I mean, A&M is at least two touchdowns better than LSU on both sides of the
1: ball. How about this? Uh, today is the anniversary of the 74-72 game. Wait, today is? I believe so. As we record wow. this, we're recording this on Tuesday, whatever today's date is. And the uh,
2: wildest night of my work career, I'd say.
1: Yeah, I I, sure. I was, that's what I was going to kind of ask you about. If you had anything that stood out from that
2: from that day, I think. Well, I think the part that always just like really sinks most to me it was just that feeling of like raw, like we're losing our mind in the press box of just like you know, like the first overtime. It's like wow, what a game! And by the time you're on like the third one, and the fourth one, like. I was tweeting, like, I think we live in a simulation. Like It was just like everything
1: <laughs> it was, a was weird like, night, ah, of course dude. It was a weird night. I remember going on my balcony and literally howling at the
2: moon at, like, the fifth <laughs> overtime. That's dead because, on, though. Everyone, because it was a full moon and I was just, so like, jacked. I feel like everyone in the entire, like, football community just, like, threw aside all responsibility and, like, normal notions of, like – You know, looking responsible and like like everyone was just like having a blast, just acting like the world was falling apart and it was incredible. And even if it was just that game, if it just ended there on a game that ended three times but didn't end and like (laughs) all that stuff, that would be one of the craziest (laughs) nights of my life. And then you have a fight post game. Yeah. that involves steve cragthorpe and kevin falk and jimbo's nephew (laughs) and then you have the absurd lying on both sides about what really happened so like everyone's trying to spin their own like bs version of what happened there were major
1: lies told on both sides oh my (laughs) god i was
2: part of it i was my first year on the beat so i kind of like probably ran with some stuff i shouldn't and i'm like oh god like they just lie their ass like it was just oh my god it was the most absurd night Ever. And my favorite thing, you know, I did a big oral history on it last year that I tweeted out this morning and uh, hopefully people can revisit because it, it was just, a, it's a fun story. But like the part I always go back to, it's my favorite part, is that not, well, it's sad, but They get on the plane after like the longest night of their lives. They lost a game. They won a game three times and lost it basically. And then there's a fight and they're exhausted. And Joe Burrow collapsed in the locker room, literally, you know, and like they get on the plane, they sit down and on the screens in front of every single seat, the sports center is showing the highlights of the game and the Kevin Falk fight. (laughs) And It's like, you can't escape it. And then of course the cherry on top, which really just shows this was the most absurd night I can think of in sports. It they. They have there's the fog delay. They get stuck in New Orleans for three hours and they don't get home till 5 a.m.
1: I mean, it just means more Brody Miller. Yeah. Welcome to SEC country. Okay, I think you probably heard that little bit of a cry. I think that means it is time for me to go. Um, Yeah. So like I said, LSU fans, uh, don't be look, don't be so condescending. Don't be the people that can't enjoy football, a football win for a football win also, don't be the kind of people like, I don't care about the boot or I don't care about Arkansas. Like, have some fun. Don't be elitist. Have some fun with this stuff. College football is fun. Uh, it was a fun week last Saturday. It's probably not going to be as much fun this Saturday. But whatever. Go into it.
2: Full hearts, clear eyes, you're can't right. lose. By the way, yeah, I just want to throw a cherry on top of what you're saying. If you view football that way, which a lot of people do and we all do sometimes, that means you only enjoy football like three out of 12 weeks yes. a year. Like, What are you getting out of Do you really like you just want to only enjoy four games a year. Like, is that what you know, just enjoy football. Just do it. Thank you. The process.
1: Trust it. All right, Brody. Uh, hey, good. Nice, nice job by Indiana this weekend too. Okay. We're going out. All right. All this right, is the later. hold that podcast podcast. And uh, we will see you next week. Look, if you like it, rate it, review it, please. That helps us a lot. Again, theathletic.com athletic.com slash hold that podcast for a dollar a week. Sign up deal. Um, it's so worth it, y'all. Brody's riding's incredible. Uh, the entire site is, though, like any sports team that you're into, they got. Um, so check it out. Uh, and we'll see you next week on the Hold That Podcast podcast.